Uh, hang tight. Like I said, get, make yourself comfortable. I'm not too worried about these things. That bite. I bite it back. Uh, but I do want you to do me a favor. This is this is the beef of the of the night. Um, this is this is what it's all about. And uh, uh, tonight we are in phase one of uh, evac, which is um, extraction. So if you guys do me a favor, you guys give a warm welcome to Pastor Neil Winchester from Believe Church in Corpus Christi. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anybody having fun yet? Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> gotta tell you, I'm kind of struggling a little bit here. It's a little past my bedtime already, so <laughs> I became a senior pastor, so I wouldn't have to do lock-ins anymore. But here we are again. So, <laughs> now I want to appreciate uh, say how much I appreciate you guys inviting me to come out to speak to you guys uh, briefly on this first uh, part of, of the weekend, and um, I just pray that it'll be a blessing to you. My assignment is extraction. And just like the other topics that we're going to be uh, listening to this weekend, uh, we think of war because that's what extraction is. Extraction, simply put, is the process of removing personnel from hostile territory into safety when deemed uh, important or imperative to do so. And there's a lot of movies that will depict extraction, but the one that came to mind when I was preparing for this was Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Saving Private Ryan, if you remember the movie or you never seen it, it was about uh, a soldier named Private Ryan who had three brothers in the war. And around the same time, all three of those brothers died. And so when they found out that all three of these brothers died and Private Ryan, he was the sole survivor, they uh, tried to do whatever they could to get Private Ryan out of the war and back home. Okay. Now, the movie that they depicted, it was loosely based on a true story. There was a Private Ryan. He did have three other brothers who did die in the war at the same time. But it wasn't some dramatic rescue or excavation that they had to do. They just simply called him out of the war and he went home. But in Scripture, we find a lot of excavation or extraction uh, stories. Uh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that Enoch was extracted. Right, right. Hebrews 11 says Enoch walked with God and then was no more. He did not see death. Why? Because God took him. Enoch was extracted from this world. The Bible also says Elijah was extracted. He too was walking with Elisha one day and then a chariot of fire came, separated them, and then he was taken up or caught up out of this world. And the Bible says that there are going to be two witnesses that are going to come back during the end times. And many theologians believe they will be none other than Enoch and Elijah because they were first extracted. Then they will be deployed. They will come back to this world to continue and finish the work that God had assigned them to do. Even Paul got an extraction. He says of himself that I knew of a man 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Only God knows. But that man was caught up or taken to the third heaven. Paul was seen, uh, shown things that he says were unlawful for him to even mention or try to describe on this side. So he was extracted, but then he was able to come back to fulfill the mission and the calling and the purpose of his being. But the one that I want to speak to you tonight briefly on 
It's probably one of the greatest extractions, the greatest story of extraction, not only in the Bible, but throughout human history. And that is the Exodus extraction. Okay, It is fitting that we are here at Exodus this weekend, and we're talking about extraction because that is one of the greatest extraction stories in human history. Let me give you a little history about it. We all know the story. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He started off in Potiphar's house, moved to the prison, and then eventually worked his way up to the palace where he was second in command. God had given him favor. God had given him the ability to interpret dreams. And because he was able to interpret the dreams, he was able to not only save all of Egypt, but even all of Israel. He goes to his brothers, he goes to his family, and he says, look, this famine is going to continue. We have seven years of this famine, and so why don't you all move back here with me in Egypt? Move out of your land and move in here with me. I'll set you up in the land of Goshen. I'll take care of you, and you will be okay here in Egypt. The problem, however, though, was Egypt was not their home. Egypt was not the home of Israel. God had promised them the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But they went into Egypt, and when they got to Egypt, they got comfortable. They began to settle in Egypt. They began to get used to Egypt, forgetting that Egypt was not their home. Now, the the famine uh, uh, lasted for seven years, but they would spend another 423 years in Egypt. Because they got comfortable, they got used to a place that was not their home. It reminds me of that movie Big with Tom Hanks. Y'all remember Big? He was thrusted into a world that was not his own. And he was scared to death. All he could think about was going home. He found some shabby little motel and there was gunfire and and prostitutes and all kinds of things around him. And he was sitting there crying, saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. He had home on his mind. But then all of a sudden, he got a good job. Then all of a sudden, he started making a whole bunch of money. He got a girlfriend. He got a fancy apartment. He started uh, riding around in, in fancy cars. And all of a sudden, he could care less about home now. Even so much when his friend comes in and says, Josh, guess what? I found the machine to take us home. He says, not now, not now. I'm busy. He says, busy doing what? (laughs) This is not your home. (laughs) You don't belong here. He got comfortable and used to a place that was not his home. And the same thing happened with Israel. The same thing happened with God's people. They got used to Egypt. They got comfortable with Egypt and they began to act just like the rest of the Egyptians. And so what God said he's going to do, he says, I'm going to have to turn up the heat on you guys. I'm going to have to turn up the heat because you have gotten too comfortable in Egypt. You think Egypt is where you're supposed to be. Egypt is your home. You're acting just like the Egyptians. So I am going to turn up the heat on you. And the Bible says it records God saying this, for this reason, I have raised Pharaoh up. For this reason, I have raised up this Pharaoh that my glory may be on display, that I may show my power when I rescue out of this Pharaoh's hand. I'm going to raise up a Pharaoh who doesn't know Joe, who doesn't know the God of Joseph and could care less about you people. And he will enslave you. He will oppress you. He will punish you until you cry out to me. And that is exactly what they began to do. They began to cry out for a savior. They began to cry out for a deliverer. 
And just like in the movie of Saving Private Ryan, God sends a captain into enemy lines. He sends a captain into enemy territory, hostile territory, to extract his people out of the enemy's hands. Of course, it was a man by the name of Moses. Moses was that captain. Moses was that extractor who would go behind enemy lines into hostile territory to extract God's people from the enemy's hand. So real briefly, I just want to look at the mission of Moses. I want to look at the mission of Moses because I believe Moses's mission and our mission is one and the same. So this comes from Exodus 3. I know we don't have our Bible, so I'll just read it for you. But this particular lesson is Operation Extraction. Operation Extraction, the mission of Moses. In Exodus 3, 1, it says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn before there is extraction. God had to first get his attention. He had to first get Moses' attention. Now, it's interesting. I never went to a recruiting office for the military when I was in high school. But I would see from time to time recruitment officers in my high school. I would see the posters of Marines and the posters of the armies. Why? I didn't go to where they were. They came to where we were. And in the same way, that is what God does with all of us. If you are saved today, if you know the Lord today, it is because you didn't go to God. God came to you. God showed up where you were. I know a lot of times we like to give our testimony. We'll say, when I found the Lord, when I found the Lord. No, you didn't find the Lord. The Lord was never lost. You were lost. I was lost. And so God shows up. He comes to where we are and reveals himself to us. And in the same way, Moses is just minding his own business. He is tending the sheep, not thinking about God, not thinking about the war. And all of a sudden, God shows up to get Moses' attention. And then after he gets his attention, he then makes his introduction. It says in verse four. So when the Lord saw that he had turned and looked, God called to him from the midst of the burning bush and said, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. God called that place holy ground. It wasn't holy because of the place, though. It was holy because of the presence. The presence of God was at this place. It's kind of like uh, the airplane that the president flies in. It's called Air Force One. But it's called Air Force One because it's the plane that the president rides in. That means if the president were to get in any other plane, that plane that he got into will all of a sudden become what? 
Air Force One. Why? Because of the presence of the president. <laughs> In the same way, God says, this is holy ground, not because of the place, but because of my presence. When I show up, I am holy, and so therefore I make things holy. And so he was Amen. revealing himself to yeah. Moses at this time. Amen. God is yeah. everywhere all the time, omnipresent, all places at all times, but he will show up at times. He will manifest himself at times when he wants to get our attention and enlist us in his program. And this is what he does with Moses. So he gets his attention. He then gives the introduction and then he's going to give them the mission. It says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children Children of Israel has come up to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Moses is thinking at this time, that's great, God, but what does that have to do with me? <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I understand the condition that our people are in, but why are you telling me all of this? He tells them why. Verse 10, he says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Do you realize that God didn't save us just to take us to heaven? <laughs> that is not the only reason God. Now, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But that is not the reason why God has saved you. God has taken you out of this world to send you right back into this world to do to others what God has done for you. And that's what he is doing here with Moses. He says, Moses, you ran out of Egypt, but now guess what? I'm sending you right back into Egypt. <laughs> I've called you out of this world, but guess what? I'm now preparing you to send you right back into this world to continue to do to others what has been done to you. I remember a movie uh, uh, a few years ago called New Jack City. I remember that one? Y'all yeah. <laughs> remember Pookie? <laughs> yeah. Pookie was a drug addict. Eh? He was high on crack and uh, a drug addict and all, and, and instead of taking him to jail, he was begging and pleading for his life ice tea the cop says all right i'm gonna help you out he takes him to rehab he stands by his side until he is better and when pookie is all better he says hey put me back in there <laughs> put me back on the streets you you did this for me let me go back in and do something for others do something for you now that may not be a good illustration because pookie dies at the end okay? <laughs> drugs but you get the meaning you get the point i don't care where god found you what condition god found you in now that you have been rescued and redeemed from that he now wants to take you right back into the world so you may do the same for others that is our mission so he gets our attention he gives the introduction he gives the mission and he will even give us the conclusion he says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You, you sure you got the right one? You know, you know who you're talking to? I, I'm a murderer. I killed a man. I'm a fugitive. I ran from my mistakes. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. He says, 
when you have brought the people out of Egypt. That's right. Not, not if. <laughs> not if you bring. No, he says, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. He says, let me give you the end from the beginning. <laughs> Let me give you the conclusion of your mission. Even before you get started with the mission, you will bring my people out of Egypt. And when you do, you will come back to this mountain and you will worship me as a sign of your success. And he says, the reason why you're going to be successful is because I will be with you. It's like the old saying goes, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. (laughs) As a matter of fact, if you think you are qualified, that actually disqualifies you. <laughs> because the Bible says he calls not the, the, the wise of this world. He not, doesn't call the noble. He doesn't call the mighty. He calls the weak of this world. He calls the base of this world. Why? So that he may receive all of the glory. That means you bring nothing to the table. (laughs) Anything you have, anything that you are, it was given to you for your assignment, for the mission that God has for you. So you don't have to be qualified for this. God will qualify you because he says, I will be with you. That's why Paul says, I will rejoice in my infirmities. Why? For when I am weak, he is strong. (laughs) He is glorified. So he gives him the mission and even the conclusion. And after that, he's going to give him the distinction. It says in verse 13, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? You see, it wasn't only the Egyptians that were worshiping many gods. Israel began to worship many gods. So if you're coming to me, Moses, and saying God is Uh, sent you which god are you talking about (laughs) which of these many gods that we worship many gods that israel's uh, or egyptians worship which one sent you he says well let me give you the distinction and god said to moses i am who i am and he said thus you shall say to the children of israel i am has sent me to you moreover god said to moses thus you shall say to the children of israel the lord god of your fathers the god of abraham isaac and jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever and this is my memorial to all generations god says i am the great i am there is none like me There is none opposite of me. There is none equal to me. I am the everlasting God, which means I have no beginning. I am the eternal God. I have no end. I am the great I am. That's who you say has sent you. So he gives him the distinction and then he gives him even the opposition. In the next verse, verse 19, he says, but I am sure, Moses, that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst. And after that, he will let you go. He simply lets Moses know you are at war. This is war. You have an enemy. You have opposition. And the object of war is to gain ground and take territory. And so the enemy that you are faced with, the opposition that you have over you, he will give in, he will give up, he will give out, but not without a fight. You're going to have to know when you go into this, there is going to be a fight. 
The staff of Exodus will let you know of the fight and the opposition that came against this camp to try to stop this camp. Amen. There will be a fight. <laughs> but yet God says the enemy will eventually give up, give in and give out. Why? Because I will be with you. The fight doesn't belong to you. Even though there is a fight, it doesn't belong to you. The battle, the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. Amen. So he gives them the mission, the conclusion, the opposition and now the validation in verse uh, one of chapter four, he says, and Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they will say the Lord has not appeared to you. You're crazy, Moses. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. He said, well, cast it to the ground. And he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to him, reach your hand out, take it by the tail. And he reached his hand out to catch it. And it became a rod in his hand again. That they may believe that the Lord of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob appeared to you. This is the sign for you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. He puts his hand in his bosom, says, now take it out again. And it was leprous like snow. He said, put it in again. He takes it out again. And now, behold, it is restored like his other flesh. Then it will be if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice that you shall take water from the river, pour it on the dry land and the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. What is God doing? He is giving validation. Validation. It's like if you ever go into a bank or something, you want to, you know, do an exchange. They may ask for some ID. You need to validate who you are. Well, God does the exact same thing. God says, let me give you my calling card. OK, <laughs> let me give you my MO. Let me give you how I operate that they may believe you. Same thing happened with Jesus. You know, John the Baptist, he he preached Jesus. He preached the Messiah coming. He baptized Jesus. But then when he's in prison, he sends his disciples to Jesus asking, are you the one or should we wait for another? <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> You've been preaching the Christ all this time. You saw him. You baptized him. Why now all of a sudden are you questioning him? Because he's in prison. <laughs> The Bible says the Messiah will come to set all captives free, but yet he's in prison. So he says, are you the one or should we look for another? Yeah. Jesus said, give him my calling card. <laughs> Let him know the blind are seen. Let him know the deaf are hearing. Let him know the lame are walking. Yes, I am the Christ. Why? Because of the power that I have to do what I do. In the same way, he is giving Moses this power so that he may be validated that God has truly sent him. And then number four, cancellation, verse 10. The Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And so the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who has make makes the mute, the deaf, seen or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please sin by the hand of whomever else you may sin. In other words, Moses is saying, not me, Lord. Yeah. I do not want this mission. I, I, I don't know how to talk good. He said, no, you don't know how to talk well, Moses. Okay? <laughs> he says, no, but I've given you your mouth. 
Okay? It would be like Henry Ford asking somebody to drive across the country and you say, well, I can't. I don't have a car. Well, wait a minute. I'm in the car business, okay? I make cars. God is saying, I am the one that made your mouth. I am the one that gives you the ability to speak. You're not going in your own power. You're not going in your own might. I just told you, I will be with you. But yet Moses says, please, Lord, send someone else. You know, in this mission that we have, we will from time to time feel inadequate. We will from time to time feel that we cannot do what God is calling us to do. And that is because if it's a call from God, it will always be greater than you. If you have a calling from God on your life, it is always going to be greater than you. If you can fulfill your calling all by yourself, that is not a call from God. God will always give you something greater than you so that you will need more than just you, namely him to pull it off. And that's what he is doing here with Moses. But lastly, and this is the grace of God. Lastly comes the accommodation. The accommodation says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite, your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is coming out to meet you. So when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the word in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, which you shall do these signs. God says, I'm going to give you something that's greater than you, which means you're going to need more than just you. And so I understand that. And I'm going to allow you even to utilize your brother. Aaron is going to then speak for you. You're going to speak to him after I speak to you. He's going to speak to Pharaoh. And that's how we're going to get this thing done. It is amazing the grace of God where even in his inadequacy, even him saying, God, I don't want to do this. Lord, send somebody else. God doesn't quit. God doesn't give up on him. Why? Because the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, the Bible says. They are irrevocable. God does not change his mind. He knew you were you before you were you. He knew what you would do before you did it. But yet he still called you. And so this is the grace of God saying, look, everybody in the body won't be able to do everything, but everybody ought to be able to do something. And the something that you can do is going to help Get my people out of the enemy's camp. So now we know the rest of the story. Just like in the movie, Captain comes to Egypt and he uh, is able to bring Private Ryan out of the enemy's camp. The operation of extraction is a success. But this is what God wants us to know as we close here. This was just a prequel to the greatest operation extraction that is coming. The mission of Moses is the mission of the Messiah. There is a greater extraction that is coming. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming back into hostile environment. He is coming back into enemy's territory and he is coming back to extract those who belong to him out of this place. What is our job? To exchange or, or to rearrange the, the rendezvous to where we can meet God in the air. That is what we are called to do, okay? We are to be used by God 
to arrange the rendezvous of where Jesus Christ is going to take us out of this place once and for all. But by everything we are willing to do for that, that is what's going to cause that or make that to happen. So at the end of the movie, if you remember it, Private Ryan, he is there in Arlington National Cemetery where all the people who fought for our freedom, who fought to save so many, lay rest there. And he is crying over the captain's grave. He is asking his family, did I do a good job? Did I live a good life? And he is thanking the captain for going behind enemy lines to save him. So this is the question God has for us. Will there be anybody in heaven thanking you? Will there be anybody in heaven saluting you? <laughs> Will there be anybody in heaven saying, thank you so much for what you did, for how you contributed to extracting me out of death, hell and the grave? Will there be anybody in heaven saluting and thanking you for the job that you have done? God's challenge to us today is like another movie that I remember watching growing up, Mission Impossible. If you remember every Mission Impossible movie and show started off the same way. Ethan would get the mission and it would always say the same thing. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. <laughs> this is your mission should you choose to accept it. God has given us an option as well. He doesn't force us to do a thing. He doesn't make us do not one single thing. He simply gives us the opportunity to be his hands, to be his feet, to be the vessel that he is going to use to extract his people out of the enemy's camp. The question is, will you accept that challenge? Will you accept that mission? Let me pray for you and then I'm going to turn it back over to Moses and we'll get out of here. God, we thank you for this operation extraction and we thank you for the example that you have given us through moses god whom you have called to do the very same thing you've called us all to do and we pray god that we will be uh encouraged tonight to get involved in the extraction of your people from the enemy's hand and the enemy's camp I pray, God, that you will stir up the gift that is within us and the call that you have placed on all of our lives. And we will say yes to the mission. We will accept the mission and we will play our part and our role in bringing about the rendezvous of when you will come and get us out of this place. So I pray and speak this blessing and word of encouragement over all who are here today. May it be fulfilled, God, not only for our sake, but for the good of those we are going to rescue and redeem for you and ultimately for your glory. These things we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said together. Amen. 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 That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.